Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Um, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today. Thank you once again for the breath of life. Thank you for just waking us up this morning and being with us throughout today. Thank you for your presence, your help, your strength. Um, thank you just for being our comforter. Thank you for being our firm foundation. And Lord, I could go on and on. All we're just saying is we're grateful and privileged to have you as our God. And tonight we gather uh, this evening, we gather before you again to just learn of you, everlasting Father. Thank you for the weeks and months that you've been teaching us by your Spirit. Yes. Holy Spirit, we invite you once again to please come and just illuminate your word, O oh God. You are the only one that can reveal Jesus. You are the only one that can reveal the Father to us. And we're asking that you'll just yes. teach us tonight, O oh God. We bless you, everlasting Father. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Okay. Amen. 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 Okay, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, great to have you join us for this week's Bible study. Um, the last three weeks, we've been looking at uh, the person, the story of Joseph in the Bible. Um, 13 chapters altogether. We started from chapter 37, where um, we started to see how a young 17-year-old 17, 17 teenager um, the Bible starts off by telling us the context of how he was beloved by his father, favored by his father, but um, his brothers were jealous of him. There was uh, rivalry. And then the result of that is that they then conspired to, first of all, to kill him, their brother. But um, uh, by, by the hand of providence, as we will see, as we, we were finding out, he was sold into slavery instead finds himself, chapter 39, in the house of Potiphar, who happens to be one of the top officials of Pharaoh, um, um, ends up being a slave in Pharaoh's house. And, you know, we're struck by the way that the Bible tells us many times in chapter 39 that God was with him whilst he was in Pharaoh's house. He served, I'm sorry, Potiphar, I beg your pardon. He served for Potiphar for about 10 years. Um, and then... At that point, Potiphar's wife takes interest in him, tries to seduce him. Again, we're struck by the way that but Joseph resisted temptation and declaring that he feared God. He could not do that. And I'm, I'm saying these things just to highlight the important things we've learned in the weeks gone by. And um, um, uh, Potiphar's wife accuses him falsely. And uh, he's thrown into jail. Again, in jail, chapter 40, uh, the Bible says God was with him. Joseph continues to do what he's, he's always been doing over these years. He's in prison for approximately three years. Now, the first year of that, um, Pharaoh throws two of his high officials into prison, his butler and his baker. And they both have dreams. Joseph interprets the dreams. And he says, in three days, you're going to be released. And it happened exactly as he uh, interpreted the dream. Says to the butler, oh, by the way, when this happens, remember me. Chapter 
30, uh, chapter 40 ends by saying that the butler forgot him completely. And then we looked at chapter 41, um, where um, Pharaoh now starts to have a dream. And last week we looked at chapters 41 to 44. And in those chapters, we see the hand of God. We start to get a glimpse of the workings of God. So in chapter 41, um, Pharaoh has a dream. The butler remembers Joseph. Called, uh, Pharaoh sends for Joseph. Joseph interprets the dream. And then we have this dramatic uh, transformation, dramatic promotion. One minute, a slave and a prisoner. The next minute, he's now number two in Egypt. And um, part, part of the, 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 the revelation was that he not only told Pharaoh there was going to be years of plenty, there was going to be years of famine, and then advised Pharaoh. So Pharaoh says, who else, who else can do this except you because you have the Spirit of God in you? So it makes uh, Joseph um, his uh, second in command. And then Egypt experiences seven years of prosperity. Uh, by the time we get into chapter 43, we now find that uh, the famine that predicted starts and the, 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 the people in Canaan, Joseph's family, start to experience the famine and Jacob sends Joseph's brothers to, uh, to, to uh, Egypt. This is 13 plus 7. This is 20 years after they sold him into slavery. And um, we find how the brothers appear before Joseph. They don't recognize Joseph, Joseph recognizes them. And um, he starts a series of tests just to see whether they're the same brothers that they were 20 years ago, selfish, wicked, jealous brothers, envious of him. Starts a series of testing them to see whether they're honest or not. And um, they buy grain, he puts, he gets the servant to put, put the money in their sacks. They discover the money when they get home, they're petrified. Um, they, they then go back. Um, and then Joseph says, well, um, I, I'm going to keep one of you, except you bring your brother back. Um, and you, you know the story. But we ended in chapter 44 last week, where Joseph now did the last of his tests, just trying to see whether the brothers were the same or not. And what was the last test that he did? He put um, his cup in his brother Benjamin's uh, sack. And as they were going back, his servant chases them, finds them and accuses Benjamin of stealing his cup. By this time, these guys are really petrified because they're wondering what's going to happen to them. They get back to Joseph and um, he says, why would you do such a thing after being good to you, you know, and, and all of that. And says, well, the person who stole the cup is going to have to suffer for this. And um, he says he's going to keep Benjamin. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, um, particularly those of you who were here last week, remember that the big challenge was that Jacob, was reluctant to release Benjamin because in his mind, he had lost one son, favored son, and now he's about to lose the second favored son. Both Joseph and Benjamin were born from Rachel, his favored wife. And um, Judah then intercedes and pleads for the life of Benjamin, actually offers himself as substitution. 
That's where we ended last week. And uh, we are going to do the last bit this today. This is the last bit in our journey looking at Joseph's life. We're going to look at chapters 45 to 50. Now, as I've said before, um, as, as we go through this, now I'm, I'm not going to be able to read everything because it's five chapters. But as we go through, remember, we're reading the Bible, we're studying the Bible to find out what the Bible is telling us about God. What are we learning about God? What's the Bible teaching us about God, God's ways? And then we're also looking to see what we're learning, um, what the Bible is teaching us through this life's experiences of um, Joseph. What, what, what is the Bible teaching us? What are we supposed to take out of this to apply to our lives? And then, of course, we said, as we go through the Bible, um, we also look for how the Bible points forward towards Jesus, because Jesus himself says everything that was written points to him. And we identified a number of those uh, last week. So we start this last leg on the story of Joseph from Genesis 45. Um, very interesting story. So it starts by saying in verse one, Joseph could not stand it any longer. He couldn't stand, you know, the whole period of, um, um, of, of disguising and not letting his brothers know that it's him, testing them to see whether they're the same or not. He says he could not stand it any longer. And there were many people in the room and he said to them, out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. So chapter 45 starts with Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. And I, 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 I couldn't help but notice where he says, then he broke down and wept. Now, for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, we ask lots of questions. So I, I was actually intrigued. I was wondering, what was it that Joseph was crying about? What was it that was making Joseph cry? Incidentally, I found out, um, okay, I set the alarm so that we can do the declaration at 7.14. Um, but just think about this. What was it that was making Joseph cry? I, I actually counted the number of times in this narrative, in, in the book of Genesis, the number of times that Joseph cried, he cried five times, five different times. And I was wondering, why was Joseph crying? You want to think about that for a second? Let's just do the declaration together. Let, let, let's declare, oh Lord, we are your people called by your name. We humble ourselves, we pray, and we seek your face. We turn away from our wicked ways. Oh Lord, hear from heaven, forgive our sins and heal our land. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We declare that our land is healed in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Yes, so who's gonna go first? Why did Joseph cry? What was the significance of Joseph crying when he was revealing himself to his brothers? It's interesting, the Bible says that, that um, the, the brothers were speechless. The, the one translation says they were stunned. They, 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 you know, it was a big shock for them. 20 years, their brother that they did not expect to see at all. They actually thought he was either dead or somewhere in the world. Why did Joseph cry? Anybody? Very quickly, very quickly. 
he was crying for the lost years. Crying for the lost years. Thank you. Anybody else? What was he crying? He did not I believe them. he just... cried, Pastor. I feel he cried because he never thought he might meet them again, that probably right. he wouldn't have any connection or meet any member of his family again. So just being overwhelmed and seeing them made him cry. Yeah, wonderful. Um, he, he, he didn't expect that he was going to see them again. He was crying about the lost years of fellowship with his brothers. But then he's then said to them, he says, I am Joseph. Uh, this is verse 4. He says, please come closer. I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But he says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Um, somebody says he was probably overwhelmed with how long he had to wait to reveal it and reveal himself to his brothers. And all, that, all those are correct. But ladies and gentlemen, do you know, as I read, I found out, remember I said that Joseph cried about five different times. This was somebody who was filled with the compassion and tenderness of God. Um, think about it, ladies and gentlemen. If it was you, your brother sold you into slavery 20 years ago, they'd given up on you. What would you do if you now saw them 20 years afterwards? What would you do 22 years afterwards? But then we learn or we see that this is somebody who is now exhibiting the, the compassion, the tenderness of God. I remember we said, when we read the Bible, let's look for God. Let's see how the Bible is showing us God. And this is God. This is the heart of God, the heart of forgiveness. You know, this is God showing how he can forgive the, when people wrong you, when people do things um, against you. You know, it's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, as I meditated on this, that it's exactly how God has treated you and I. That despite the fact that we wrong God, you know, the, the Bible says that there, was, there, there were times when we were God's enemies. But despite all of that, God forgives us and draws us back to him. Now, there's something that I wanted to, to mention as we go forward. I didn't want to miss at all. Because in chapters 43 and 44, um, remember I said that Joseph was testing his brothers. Why was he testing them? He wanted, before he revealed himself, he wanted to see whether they had changed. He wanted to see whether um, they, they were the same persons 22 years ago you know, that sold him into slavery. And... Um, Again, I was, as I was meditating on this, I, I felt the Spirit to, to say to mention this, that we must be careful that we don't treat people or judge people by the past. You know, that's not the way of God. God does not judge us by our past. He forgives us for our past and then allows us to step into our future. You know, Joseph could have, could have easily dismissed his brothers right away. You know, you wicked people, what are you looking for here? Better go, to, better go to back to Canaan and go and starve. But by the Spirit of God, he was patient enough to help them confront their wickedness. All those testing in chapters 43 and 44 was to help them confront their wickedness to bring them to the place of repentance. And that's exactly how... God treats you and I, ladies and gentlemen. So by this time, when we get to verse 5, he's saying, don't be, don't be upset or angry with yourselves. 
It says, it was God who sent me here. The second thing that I want to say very quickly is that no matter what it is we go through in life, let us learn to see God. And when we end, you know, I, I'd like to summarize with one or, or two big summaries, but let's learn to see God in everything. Now, my next question, ladies and gentlemen, it says, it was God who sent me here to save you, to preserve your lives. Now, I'm assuming you've all read 45 to 50, so I'm just going to pick in different bits. It was God who sent me here to preserve your lives. I have a question, and I kept asking myself. So we start to see that this was God's plan. God wanted to preserve Israel. But why Egypt? Why, why did he send them to Egypt? And, you know, it's, it's, it's actually one of the big revelations of this study of the story of Joseph. Why Egypt? Before you answer, let me add another uh, thought to your mind. So he says uh, from verse, verse 9, Now hurry up to my father. This is, what you, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. Verse 10, you can live in the region of Goshen, where you can be near me with all your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead. Otherwise, you, your household, and your animals will starve. So confirming what we're finding out, God sent him to preserve Israel. God did not send Joseph to Egypt because of Egypt. God sent Joseph to Egypt because of Israel, the people of Israel. Does somebody understand that? So the question is, why Egypt? Anybody? Very fascinating. Why Egypt? Why did God send Joseph to Egypt, not to um, uh, Syria or any place else? Anybody? The, Egypt, the Egyptians didn't like the Hebrews. Okay, they didn't like the Hebrews. They were, they were unlikely to intermarry with them. Very, very good. Thank you. Anybody else? Why Egypt? Um, first, I think Egypt, they are good with um, what they call agricultural um, stuff like planting and all those kind of things. So since their land is fertile to grow food, that is why God sent him there. Because the Israelites, if you look at them, they are into more into cattle rearing and all those very, kind of things. Very, very good observation, yes. Um, at that point in time, Egypt was the most civilized nation in the whole world, yeah? So very instructive. Why Egypt? Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, let, let, let me move on very quickly. So he says you can live in the region of Goshen, um, um, which is near me. And just for geographical purposes, I, I looked at this. Um, Canaan, where they lived, where they, they, they were living, the promised land, mind you, was just a few days' walk from Goshen. Goshen is, was in the, if you look at the, the, the map, it's in the northeastern part of Egypt. So it was one of the closest places to uh, Canaan. They didn't have far to go. And then the administrative center of Egypt then, where Joseph was based, was Zoan, um, which was not far from Goshen. So we're saying, you know what, this is the place where 
you will settle and it's not far from me so that I can look after you. And then I love, I love uh, when you jump to verses 18 to 20, where it says that uh, when Pharaoh heard, heard, Pharaoh was told that Joseph's brothers had arrived. Pharaoh himself was excited. And he says, he says, I will give you the very best of the land in Egypt and you will eat from the best the land produces. You know, by this time, my mind is blown because I'm thinking, you know, first of all, they're starving in, in, in Canaan. They then um, come to Egypt to look for food, to, to buy food. They find out that their brother's there. And then now they're being given the best part of the land, uh, Goshen. And, you know, I, I just thought this is God showing us how he favors his own. You know, there's a scripture. Oh, incidentally, I forgot to mention, guys. As we go through this, this story, um, one of the things that I wanted to challenge us is, what are the scriptures that jump to your mind that are related to the things that we're learning about God? You know, so if any scripture jumps to your mind, just feel free to, to throw them. So guess what's, what scripture um, jumped into my mind? Um, I'm, it's uh, Proverbs 16, 7. When the ways of a man please, pleases God, he will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. This is God showing um, Joseph and his brothers favor, even though they were in a foreign land. Okay, um, verse 24. I'm just going to pick on, on, on some bits. If there's anything that you want, us to, you want to bring to your attention, please let us know. So verse 24, um, after Joseph had revealed himself to them, he now says, please go back and go and bring my father. Um, um, he kept saying, you know, is my father alive? Go and bring my father so that he can be with me. I love in verse 24 when he sent them off and he said, don't quarrel about this. Or, uh, uh, don't quarrel about all this along the way. Why, why do you think he was saying to them, don't quarrel about this along the way? Why, why was he saying that? Anybody? I think because of what happened when they sold him to the Midianites, when that incident happened. So he's trying now to clear their mind that since everything is over between, the rift is over, and I ask you guys to bring my father, our father down to Egypt. You guys should not just have any argument about, oh, I told you, you should have done this, you should have. So I think that is what I deduce from this. Okay, all right. Anybody else? Um, somebody says, Toro says, because of their past behavior, yeah. Anybody? Anybody else? What was he saying? Don't quarrel. What What was he admonishing them not to quarrel about on the way? Anybody else? I think uh, the incident of um, how they sold him yeah. and um, people taking responsibilities and trying to say uh, similar to what the gentleman spoke about, yeah. about whether, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Maybe we should have sold him. Maybe we should have killed him and all that. Okay. You know, you know what, what would be happening as they were going back? Human nature. People will be trying to justify themselves. You know, someone say, I told you so. I was the one that said you shouldn't do this. And I know that. Because human nature is we try to shift blame on other persons. And um, Joseph <laughs> says, says, no, no, as you're going, there's no need to quarrel. Remember, he said to them, you might have thought you were doing evil, but it was God that sent me here. And then I love when they got back home and um, 
in verse 26, the first thing they said to their father is, they said, Joseph is still alive. Can, can I just very quickly, I'm going to read it again. And just say to you, what imagery does that bring to your mind? Because this is what happened to me as I read this. They came and said, Joseph is still alive, they told him. What imagery comes to your mind, guys? The way they, they told, started. Well, they told him he was dead, though. Yes, yes. But I'm just thinking of the, the drama of it. They got in front of their father and said, Joseph is still alive. What imagery comes to your mind? I think it reminds me of when, um, what was it called? When they went to the grave where Jesus Christ was buried. Thank you. And they kept it. And oh, they kept it thank you very much. I, yes, I saw somebody put in that resurrection. It, it reminded me of how um, they ran to the house to say, Jesus is alive. You know, he's not there. You know, that was the imagery that came to my mind. Anyway, they said, Joseph is still alive and is the governor of all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned at the news. He couldn't believe it. But when they repeat, repeated to, jo, to Jacob everything Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons Joseph had sent to carry him, their father's spirits revived. One question, I don't know the answer. I hope you know the answer. Did they tell Joseph, I'm uh, sorry, did they confess to Jacob to say, oh, actually, um, we haven't told you this before, but we were the ones that sold him into slavery. Do you think they confessed to their father? Does anybody know? Does the Bible tell us anywhere? I don't think they did. Uh, okay, so let me see. I'm just saying 119 people are here. Um, let, 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 let's just encourage as many people as possible to speak, yeah? Otherwise, I'll keep calling you. Um, Esther, I can see your face, Esther. What do you think? I don't think they told their dad. <laughs> okay. And why wouldn't they have told their dad? Because they knew what his reaction most probably would be. What do you think his reaction would be? Um, one of anger, disappointment, and he maybe he maybe would have cursed them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that's interesting. Um, when we get I'm saying to... this because of the, you know, how he, he, he um, blesses them at the end. So Yeah, I was going to say yeah. when we get to chapter 49, we'll see what he does with, with his friends. But I, I was actually quite curious uh, to see whether I'm looking at most definitely not. Or Jacob would have said something on his deathbed. Uh, I remember his comments about Reuben. Okay, so I, I think we're all agreed. He, they definitely, I don't think that they confessed to their father. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll, we'll pick that up later. And then let's go on to Genesis 46. We just want to go through the chapters very quickly, and then we'll pick up one or two big things. So Genesis 46 um, starts by saying, so Jacob, having now believed that um, his son Joseph, who he hadn't seen for 22 years, was alive, now packs his possession to go to um, to, to Egypt. And the Bible says, when he came to Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. During the night, God spoke to him in a vision. Jacob, Jacob, he called. Here I am, Jacob replied. Then in verse 3, he says, I am God, the God of your father, the voice said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there 
I will make your family into a great nation. I will go with you down to Egypt and I will bring you back again. You will die in Egypt, but Joseph will be with you to close um, your eyes. Very interesting and instructive bit, ladies and gentlemen, because here we have Jacob going to Egypt to be with his son, Joseph. And he stops at Beersheba. God meets him at Beersheba. Can, can you guys remember Beersheba? Can you remember um, what happened at Beersheba before? Anybody remember what happened in Beersheba? It's a very interesting place because a lot of things happened in Beersheba. Again, you know, like Pastor Badge taught us the other day, this is how you cross-reference. You read something, it evokes something in your mind, you go and search for it. So what happened in Beersheba? Don't Google it just yet. Don't Google it. So what happened in Beersheba? Anybody? Lara, you want to say well. something? Lara, yeah. Yeah. Is that the well where he uh, met Rebecca? Is it Rebecca? Mm. Yeah, something like that. No. 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 Is, is, is it where he fought with God? No. No. That's Bethlehem. No. Don't Google it, guys. Don't Google. So, no. Beersheba. Who remembers Beersheba? <laughs> Incidentally. Uh, just for historical purposes, Abraham, his grandfather, had gone to Egypt approximately 200 years before this incident when he was going to Egypt. Yeah, And then, again, just to help us, when there was a famine in Canaan, exactly the same thing that was happening now, when there was a famine in Canaan then, over 200 years ago, Abraham had gone to Egypt. Yeah, Genesis chapter 12, he'd gone to Egypt. And then he left Egypt go to go back to Canaan. And remember, he was staying in the region of the Philistines. Remember the story of how um, he went into the region of to Gira, where the Philistines were. And Abimelech, the king of the uh, Philistines, can you remember the story now? Yes. Where he said um, Sarah was his wife. Mm -hmm. And Abimelech took Sarah. Can you remember the story now? Sarah was his sister. Okay, if you can't remember, please read it. Very interesting, the Bible. Um, anyway, um, the first reference to Beersheba was when he now left Gera and settled in Beersheba. And um, Abimelech, the king, and himself, they agreed an oath at Beersheba. He dug a well in Beersheba. And that's where they made a covenant, a pact between themselves that they would not, um, they would not be enemies of each other. It's interesting. I, I thought everybody would say this, ladies and gentlemen. But remember, uh, a few years later, there was another famine in Canaan. And Isaac was about to do the same thing Abraham did, which was to go to Egypt. God says, no, 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 stay here in the land. And the Bible says, remember the story now in Genesis 26, where he um, stayed in the land and then he started to prosper and the people were jealous of him. So he moved and he went to Beersheba where his father Abraham had dug a well and he dug another well there. So Beersheba is a prominent place in the history of the patriarchs. Um, let me see, where are we now? And then... Um, 
as J J oh yes, sorry, I, I wanted to mention something very important, ladies and gentlemen, um, that I felt God pointed out in, in this, that when we are confronted with new things, it's natural to be apprehensive, it's natural to fear, it's natural to be as hesitant, but if it is God, you and I owe it to ourselves to ensure that we follow God's prompting. And guess what always happens? You know, this is the walk of faith. Again, Pastor Batch talked about this um, a few weeks ago, that when you take a step of faith, God will always come to meet you, to reassure you. So he meets with, with Jacob and says to him, don't be afraid, I'm with you. You can go ahead. My plan is still in place. Let's move quickly. Um, um, so as they're going, uh, we read about the genealogy. Um, there's 67 of them that are going to Egypt, Joseph, um, Jacob and his entire family, all the children born to Leah, all the children born to Zilpah, all the children born to Rachel, all the children born to Bilhah. There were 67 of them that go. And then in verse 28, I'm struck by, let me, let me read it and then tell me what strikes you. As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. What strikes you about this statement? As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of, the, of Goshen. What strikes you about that sentence? Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you know, there's nothing that is written in the Bible just for the fun of it. Everything has an instruction, something to learn from it. What strikes you about verse 28 of Genesis 46? As they neared their destination, Jacob sent Judah ahead to meet Joseph and get directions to the region of Goshen. What strikes you? Ladies and gentlemen, quickly, quickly. Uh, somebody said Jacob was organized. Hmm, okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry, what? Pastor, the question I would ask is that why Judah? I know there must be significance. Why Judah? Well, well so I'm asking you, what struck you about <laughs> this thing? What struck you? So what struck you, May, is why Judah? Yeah, that's what and struck that's, me. I'm thinking, why yeah. Judah? And that's exactly what struck me, ladies and gentlemen. Why Judah? Why was it Judah that was sent to go ahead to meet Joseph? and get directions. And the answer, if you've been following this story, ladies and gentlemen, is that the person who would normally be given this kind of responsibility is the firstborn, is a person who is like the head of the clan. And by birth, Reuben was the firstborn, but you remember Reuben messed up by sleeping with his father's wife. And by that incident, as you will find out later on in chapter 49, Reuben lost his authority, lost his influence uh, with the brothers. In fact, if you remember, he was trying to persuade his father, Jacob, to let Benjamin go with him. Jacob didn't listen to him until Judah said, you know what, give this boy into my care and I'll take him. And that's when Jacob allowed him to go. So by this time, Reuben has lost his position of authority. We'll see that in 49. And the person who was emerging as the leader of the group was Judah. So it was Judah that was sent. And um, yeah, and then um, 
verses 32, it says, um, so let me start from 31. And Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's entire family, I will go to Pharaoh and tell him, my brothers and my father's entire family have come to me from the land of Canaan. These men are shepherds and they raise livestock. They have brought with them their flocks and herds and everything they own. Now this is um, um, Joseph planning ahead for his brothers. 33, then he said, when Pharaoh calls for you and asks you about your occupation, you must tell him, we, your servants, have raised livestock all our lives, as our ancestors have always done. When you tell him this, he will let you live here in the region of Goshen, for the Egyptians despise shepherds. So I asked you a question earlier, and I said, why Egypt? Why did God choose Egypt as the place to send Israel? Remember, he did not send Joseph to save the Egyptians. He sent Joseph to save the Israelites. And the answer, ladies and gentlemen, we see in this last sentence of chapter 46. Because history tells us that the Egyptians were very proud people. Um, they're, like somebody said earlier, they were the greatest civilization at, at that point in time, far ahead of the, the neighboring countries. But along with their civilization, they were very proud. Um, they, they, they considered other people to be inferior to them. So the, the Hebrews, they, they considered to be quite inferior. That's why, if you remember, I think it was in chapter 44, 43, uh, when they were eating with Joseph, the Egyptians ate separately and um, they ate separately because they, they, they don't mix with um, the Hebrews. But the more interesting thing, and this was the one that blew my mind, ladies and gentlemen, God promised Israel Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he promised the people of his people the land of Canaan as their possession. Now, had they started possessing Canaan? Yes, because Abraham lived in Canaan. He traveled from Haran and moved to Canaan. So he was already in Canaan. He was already um, possessing the, the possession. And then Isaac, his son, lived in Canaan. <laughs> in fact, he lived in Canaan throughout. And then Jacob also lived in Canaan. He moved to, to Haran, his uncle's house, and then came back and was living in Canaan. Why did God have to send them to Egypt? The answer I found, ladies and gentlemen, is that I found out that the Canaanites who lived in, in, in the region of Canaan were what is called uh, syncretistic uh, people. Now, syncretism, is uh, it's a kind of belief that anything goes you know you can anyone who comes you accept them so the canaanites the perizzites the hezites all of those people were just different groups of people and in the region of canaan they were syncretistic in their belief which means that they would accept basically if five of us come from different places you know the belief is that look let's join together you know we share the same beliefs we share the same practices but god did not want Israel to be absorbed into the beliefs and practices of the surrounding nations. He wanted to separate his people. But at that point in time, there were still a small number. So ladies and gentlemen, God sent them to the nation where he knew that the people of that nation will not mix with the Israelites. So he sent them all the way to Canaan, I'm sorry, to Egypt, so that they could grow into a big nation, but a separate nation keeping their identity 
in in Egypt. You know that really blew my mind. Let let's go very quickly. Um, verse chapter forty seven, chapter forty seven, and then we'll start to come to our big um, themes. So it says, uh, then Joseph went to see Pharaoh and told him, my father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions. They're now in the region of Goshen. Um, Joseph took his, his brothers to see Pharaoh as he planned. Um, Pharaoh said to them, well, what is your occupation? They said, we, we are shepherds, just like Joseph planned. Jo um, um, Pharaoh says, you know, go to Goshen. I love the way it says in verse 5, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt to live. Give them the best land of Egypt. You know, this can only be the hand of God. Like I said, when a man's ways are pleasing to God, um, he causes them to find favor with their enemies. And verse 8, um, Pharaoh asks Joseph, he meets Joseph, and he says, how old are you? And uh, Jacob says he's 130 years old so ladies and gentlemen how old this is just a quick exercise a brain teaser how old was jacob when he had joseph by the time jacob meets um, joseph and pharaoh he's 130 years old how old was jacob when he had joseph just arithmetic anybody quickly 83 Okay, who said 83? Anna Iludoni. Anna, okay. Yeah. Anna, how did you arrive at 83? Oh, um, okay. Uh, Jacob is 130. 130. Mm -hmm. yes. Then um, um, Joseph is... Joseph was... Um, Eighty wrong. Eighty is wrong. Ninety-seven is wrong. Sorry. Uh somebody said hundred. Abba. Wow. Don't make the man so old now. He was eighty-three. No, how was he? Ninety-three. Sorry? Ninety-three. How did you arrive at ninety-three? Um, if he's 130, yes. don't forget by the time Joseph went, when he came out of jail and he became the president, prime minister, he was, he was 30. Yeah. There had been five, there had been seven years of farming. Fantastic. And seven then years of now, prosperity, you mean? Seven, seven, seven years of prosperity and then two years into farming. That's 39. Yes. Oh. And if you take that out of my 130. So 130 minus 39 is what? Okay, 91. It was 91, 90. so, that's it. So Jacob was an old man when he had Joseph. You can understand why he favored Joseph and called him the son of his old age, yeah? Can anybody guess how old Benjamin was? I, I found this quite interesting, but um, let, let, let's move. We'll, we'll, if we can, we'll get to it, but let's move very quickly so we can finish the chapters. So verses 7 to 9, Pharaoh meets Joseph, I'm sorry, Pharaoh meets Jacob, and then the Bible says Jacob blessed Pharaoh twice. Did you notice that? Did you read that? It says in verse, it says, um, then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. 
and then that's verse 7 and then in verse 9 um in verse 10 i beg your pardon then jacob blessed pharaoh again before leaving his court um what was going on ladies and gentlemen remember pharaoh is the king the king and then this canaanite comes um he meets him for the first time and he blesses pharaoh what's going on is that because uh, it's an old man it's an older man is that an older man okay. blessing well well true one? true true yes yeah true you're you're right um so maybe Pharaoh respected him as an older man. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. So what 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 was um, what what I found out as I studied is that this was evidence of spiritual authority. Yeah. Now the Bible again, if we cross reference, gives us examples in Genesis fourteen. It, the Bible talks about how Melchizedek where he blessed Abraham. And then if you look at how it was recounted in the book of Hebrews chapter 7, he says in, I think in verse 8 or verse 9, he says that evidence of authority or evidence of who is greater is that the greater always blesses the lesser. For Pharaoh to allow Jacob to bless him, there must have been an element of recognition of spiritual authority. Yeah? Um, very interesting thoughts. And then um, very quickly, um, I, I just want us to end the story. Um, in verse 13, Joseph, um, okay, I, I wanted to point this out in verse 13. It says, meanwhile, the famine became so severe that all the food was used up and people were starving throughout the lands of Egypt and Canaan. By selling grain to the people, Joseph eventually collected all the money in Egypt and Canaan and he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. Again, the same thing we saw Joseph do when he was in Potiphar's house is exactly the same thing that he's doing, being a faithful servant. He's second in command. He's the, the prime minister, but still a faithful servant. The Bible says whatever he collected, he put the money in Pharaoh's treasury. And it's quite instructive that he's showing consistency of character. And then verse 27, it says, the children of Israel settled in the land and were fruitful and they grew rapidly. That was part of God's plan, that they would multiply and grow and become a nation before they left and came back to Canaan. And um, um, it ends, verse 47 ends, um, the narrative of how Jacob said to Joseph, remember, when I die, please bury me in Canaan. Because God has spoken to him when he was going to Egypt, that he will come back to Egypt. So he said, please ensure that um, you take me back and bury me in Canaan. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I found this quite interesting. Jacob nurtured Joseph, his favorite son, for 17 years. For 22 years, he now did not see his son sees him at 39, guess what? He lives another 17 years because the Bible says to us that Joseph, uh, Jacob died at the age of 147. He lived another 17 years. I thought it's quite instructive, you know, the ways of God. So Jacob looked after Joseph for 17 years and then Joseph looked after Jacob, his father, for 17 years. Let me move to 
Genesis 48 as we start to come to the end of this. And then, so we find this very interesting narrative of how um, Jacob now blesses the children of Joseph. He calls the two, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he says to Joseph that I'm taking these ones as my own sons. Um, I, I, I'd love to ask the question, but let me just very quickly say this. Remember Genesis 37 when we started this journey. Because Jacob favored Joseph, he was going to give him the inheritance of the firstborn, particularly after Reuben had messed up. Yeah? The inheritance of the firstborn is that the firstborn gets a double portion of the blessing. So what we're seeing here that's been enacted is that Joseph, uh, Jacob adopts the two children of Joseph in place of Joseph, but thereby conferring a double portion of his inheritance. You know, it's about inheritance, a double portion of his inheritance on Joseph. So the double portion did not go to Joseph himself. It went to Joseph's children. By adopting his two children and making them one of his original 12, Joseph, who was father to these two, was now getting a double portion. I hope somebody understands that, yeah? Um, and um, I, I, I love, um, yeah, let, me, let me just go to this, yes. So verses nine to 19 is the interesting narrative of how Jacob blesses Ephraim and Manasseh. You all know the story. Um, he tells Joseph to bring them. And then Joseph, as you would expect, positions Manasseh, the older boy, on Jacob's right hand so that he can lay his right hand on him and Ephraim the younger. And, you know, the Bible tells us that uh, Jacob crossed his hands and blessed Ephraim with the blessing of the older. Why did he do that? Anybody? Why Ephraim? Why Ephraim? Okay, somebody says he repeated what his father did. Oh, sorry, before I go, I've just seen this comment, which is very good. Faithful in little now has authority over many. God bless you. That, that's one of the big themes of this story, that Joseph was faithful with the little that he was given in Potiphar's house. Now he's been faithful over the whole of Egypt. It's biblical. It's just, you know, these are things that, uh, the Bible teaches us, Matthew 25, um, um, being faithful servants. So why did he cross his hands? Somebody says history repeating itself. Anybody else? Why is he crossing his hands? So history repeating itself. Um, 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 Isaac blessed Jacob above uh, it was Esau. But don't forget, before you quickly say history is repeating itself, don't forget that uh, Jacob schemed his way into that blessing. But in this case, what is happening? Why did Jacob cross his hands? Yeah, anybody quickly so we can finish. Anybody? Um, the way... 
I just feel that it's just um, God's um, purpose, I'm sorry, God's uh, promises uh, to be fulfilled. Mm. And um, like the, that, that's, that's, the, that's the only thing I can think of, um, that okay. it's because it was intentional. Absolutely. I mean, even though um, well, it was, well, it, he tried to change the, his hands, his father's mm. hand, yeah. but he, it was God's purpose. So that's why, you know, somehow even though you couldn't see but it was meant to be like that so that's why he kept on I and mean, he did it the same time the second time i mean to, to, to turn his hands around you know that's where i can see it oh, that's wonderful where I... Pastor, um, shall I, can i agree with um her yes just looking back now i would agree with her that it's god's purpose because i'm looking back at the blessing of abra of ishmael and isaac Yes. Technically, Ishmael should have got the blessing, been the eldest, but Isaac got it because that was God's intention. Mm. So it seems as if it's always the second one or the lesser of, not the first one who gets the very, blessing very that he should get. Very interesting. It's complicated. <laughs> very interesting <laughs> thought, which, which, <laughs> which uh, I wanted us to look at very, very quickly. But first of all, um, like Cecilia said, it was not a mistake. Yeah, yeah. it definitely wasn't a mistake. Um, even though Jacob was half blind, um, he knew what he was doing. And if you look at um, uh, verse 19, and from verse 17, it says Joseph was upset when he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's and he tried to move his hand. And he says, No, my father, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand. What he was saying to Jacob is that this is the tradition, this is the norm, this is what should happen. And then J Jacob says, I know, my son, I know. He knew what he was doing. Ladies and gentlemen, he was being led by the Spirit. The Spirit, it was the Spirit of God that directed him. And like I said, it was just the plan of God. And where, you know, when you read scripture, I, I, I know where. We're beginning to run out of time, but you know, you start to bring to mind the ways of God, that the ways of God are not our ways at all. You know, man's ways, we try to follow um, conventional wisdom, the way things have been, but the ways of God are just not our ways at all. And through scripture, you see numerous times where contrary to tradition or convention, God will choose uh, the younger or the youngest or the, the, the lesser um, to, uh, as the person who is the head. So very quickly, I was going to ask you, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I've got ten examples. Can somebody tell me very quickly, don't tell me all the ten, one, 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 one for each person. Tell me ten examples of where the younger or the lesser was chosen above the elder. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Ten, ten examples. Pastor David. David. Okay, David. Um, Gideon. Sorry. Gideon. Sorry, Gideon. Gideon. Um, Gideon was actually. I'm not sure about Gideon, but yeah. Solomon. Jacob. So Jacob. Yes, Jacob above his brother. Yes. Abel. Thank you very much. The first account in Scripture, Abel was preferred to Cain by God. Well done. Yeah, who else? Who else? Solomon. Solomon, yes. Solomon. Um, above his older brothers. Anybody else? Okay. 
because of time. So uh, Abel, what, what? Jesus ahead of John the Baptist. Sorry, Jesus ahead of John the Baptist. Oh, oh, that's 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 that's, that's, that's a, a stretch. First of all, first of all, Jesus and John the Baptist were not brother, uh, mother and father. Um, Pastor Dabs, you were going to say something, Pastor Dabs. Yes, sir. I, I just thought about the Bible verse that spoke about the rejected stone being the uh, coming to become the chief cornerstone. Wow, I knew you. Were, I knew you were going to say something deep, Pastor Dabs. That's very deep. Okay, um, very quickly. So the first example, Abel over Cain. Then remember the sons of Noah, Japheth, Shem, and uh, who was the third born? But Shem was chosen Ham. above Japheth. Ham. And then even Abraham himself was chosen above his older brother, Nahor. And then we know about Isaac over Ishmael. We know about Jacob over Esau. We know about um, you didn't, you, you guys didn't mention Joseph and Judah above Reuben, and then you forgot the big example Moses before Aaron, Aaron his older brother. That's true. We talked about David and we talked about Solomon, and then guess what? Um, the, as I was reading my commentary, you know, we always say, How do we see Jesus in this? That even the Gentiles were chosen over the Jews. Uh, you know, God's plan was that he used the Jews to bring, to, to introduce God to the Gentiles. But the Gentiles, uh, yeah, certainly in this season, being preferred above the Jews, but the, the Jews will still come back to God. And we could go on and on, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just end. Uh, oh, Pastor, could we also quickly. say... Sorry? Sorry, could we also say um, Adam and Jesus? Uh... Because Jesus is the second Adam. He's preferred to the first Adam. Different kind of uh, uh, concept. It's not the, the same as uh, siblings and the younger one being preferred above the other. Yeah, but we, we take the point. So um, very quickly, just so we can finish. Chapter 49, we now have um, Jacob blessing his sons. I love the way the Bible says, it starts by saying, Sorry, let me just, my iPad is freezing. Don't do this to me. Don't do this. Oh, come on. Um, 49. Sorry, just bear with me, please. My iPad was freezing. Okay, so 49. I love the way that the account starts by saying, Then Jacob called together all his sons and said, Gather around me, and I'll tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. It's interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that 22 years ago, Jacob thought he had lost one of his sons. As the years went by, he thought he was going to lose Simeon. He thought he was going to lose Benjamin. But here we find God's, God's plans and purposes intact for his people. And he says he gathered all his children. None of them was missing. And then he starts to bless them. I'm just going to highlight three very quickly um, because of time. So it starts with Reuben. And this is what we're talking about earlier. In chapter 3, it says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my strength, the child of my vigorous youth. You are first in rank and first in power. That's according to tradition. But you are as unruly as a flood, and you will be first no longer. For you went to bed with my wife, and you defiled my marriage couch. And, and it's very instructive, ladies and gentlemen, how sometimes our misdeeds in the past can affect the, the, the future. 
Um, but you will see where the grace of God works in our lives, particularly as New, Test New Testament uh, believers. So Reuben, who should have been the first, has now been removed from that position. And um, he says, one translation says, but you will not excel, you will not excel, yeah? And then he goes on to Simeon and Levi, verses five to um, seven. He says, Simeon and Levi are two of a kind. Their weapons are instruments of violence. And remember the story? Now Simeon and Levi were the ones that conspired to kill all the men of Shechem just because their blood sister, um, Dina or Dinah, had been raped by um, Hamo of Shechem. And um, they, 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 they tricked them into circumcising themselves and then they went and killed all of them. He says, may I never join in their meetings. May I never be a party to their plans for in their anger, they murdered men and they crippled oxen just for sport. A curse on their anger for it is fierce. A curse on their wrath for it is cruel. Listen to this verse seven. I will scatter them among the descendants of Jacob. I will disperse them throughout history. So instead of a blessing, um, Jacob, in a sense, places a curse on these two because of their antecedent. And he says, I will scatter them. So basically saying that they will not be significant at all in the scheme of things going forward. And if you read history, you will hardly hear about the tribe of Simeon, particularly when they get into the, the, the promised land. Hardly, hardly. Um, the, 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 the land that they were allocated to, um, they didn't take full possession of the land and I could go on and on. But the one that interests me, ladies and gentlemen, is what happened to Levi? Anybody quickly? I, I, want to, I know we've overrun, but I just want us to finish this very quickly. What happened to Levi? says, I will scatter you amongst your brethren. What happened to Levi? So Simeon, we hardly heard of. And then Levi, what happened to Levi? Okay. Um, I, I have a recollection of, um, I think it was um, during the rebellion of Korah, I think, when there was this call who is on the Lord's side and they were on the Lord's side and that sort of redeemed them and they became the priests. But I'm not sure which the, the exact incident, but I know it was um, during the wilderness. Okay. So you promise you'll go and look it up, yeah? You'll I'll look it. it up, yes. You know, that's the essence of Bible study. So that was Genesis 32 when Moses went up to the hill to meet with God to, to get the Ten Commandments. He was away for 40 days and the people were waiting. Where's this Moses? And then they went to Aaron, the high priest, and um, they built the altar. Um, that, sorry, they built the golden calf. And uh, Moses came and he came down and then said, who is on the Lord's side? Yeah. And you're absolutely right. Because of that action of devotion to God, they were able to cancel a curse that had been placed on them before. And this is very instructive, ladies and gentlemen, because as I was studying, I found out that when you read the Bible, even when the Bible talks about curses and blessings, they are conditional. They're always conditional on our obedience and devotion to God. So a curse can be negated when a people choose to do what is right by God, in the same way that a blessing can be forfeited if people do not do right by God. Um, and then, of course, 
he blesses Judah and says that uh, he's a long, young lion, verses 8 to 12. I love this statement. The scepter will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. What is Shiloh? The scepter will not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. Okay, because of time. Um, Shiloh, um, the, the, the Hebrew meaning is the one that is sent or the sent one. And who was the one that was sent? It was the Messiah, Jesus. So this scepter of leadership um, that he placed on Judah, it was saying it will not depart from Judah until the, 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 the real owner, the real leader, the real king comes. And so we know that David was an antecedent of, of, of Jesus Christ, but the real lion of the tribe of Judah, our king and Messiah, uh, uh, the Shiloh, the sent one, was Jesus. And um, let me end this bit with his blessing on Joseph. Again, very instructive, uh, just recounting what happened to Joseph. Uh, verse 22, Joseph is the fall of a wild donkey, the fall of a wild donkey at the white spring, uh, verse 23, archers attacked him savagely. This is Jacob, you know, by the spirit of God is recounting all what Joseph went through um, in, in, in the years of his trial. They shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained taut and his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, by the shepherd, the rock of Israel. May the God of your father help you. May the almighty bless you. And um, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to pause for a second. Um, because as I was reading this, I felt the Spirit of God say that I should pronounce these blessings of Joseph on every single person that is here. So I'm going to, by, by the grace of God, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, for every single one of you, may the God of your Father help you. May the Amen. Almighty bless you Amen. with the Amen. blessings of the heaven above and the Amen. blessings of the watery depths below and Amen. the blessings of the breast and womb May the, our Father, Jehovah, may his blessings rest on you. May, the blessings of, may, may his blessings surpass the blessings of our ancestors. Amen. In the heights of the eternal hills, may these blessings rest upon every single one of you. In Amen. the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And then, you know, chapter 49 ends by saying that Jacob died. And uh, chapter 50, um, the Jacob's body is embalmed in the custom of the Egyptians. But it's interesting the ways of God, ladies and gentlemen, because, um, you, 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 um, sorry, I said Joseph. Joseph's body was, uh, sorry, what am I saying? Jacob. Jacob's body was embalmed. You know, in Canaan, they would usually bury quickly uh, when somebody dies. Um, but in this case, particularly to aid moving Jacob's, um, body back to Canaan that he had promised them. Um, they followed the custom of the Egyptians. They embalmed his body. They mourned for him 70 days. Um, what else? What else? Uh, yes, I love this. Uh, we're going to end in a minute. Verses 15 to 17. After they had buried <laughs> their father Jacob, the brothers came to Joseph and said, yeah, I really love this. He says, after burying J Jacob, um, um, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. Verse 15. But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. 
Now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. Verse 16. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, we the servants of the God of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. And Joseph wept. Ladies and gentlemen, I wondered, did their father really send them? <laughs> did he, no. did he, I, I'm just wondering, I don't know, do you think? He never no, mentioned he anywhere. Sorry? No, he not didn't. mentioned anywhere, he didn't. I, 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 don't, it, I, I mean, I couldn't find anywhere it was mentioned. It is possible, um, it is possible, but I think that their guilty conscience was catching up mm. with them, you know? Yeah. Um, um, they, they, they couldn't believe that Joseph could show such compassion and forgiveness. And I'll talk about that as we end in a second. So their guilty conscience was catching up with them and they went and begged Joseph. Joseph cried, you know, this is the, one of the many times that he cried. Why did he cry again? Like I said at the beginning, because of his heart of compassion. Um, let me see what else in chapter 50 as we end. Da, 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 da. Um, he says, yes, I love this, verses 18 to 21. He says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? And this is his response to them. I'm not in the place of God. What is he saying? That vengeance belongs to God. You know, yes. I'd be a foolish man to try to exact vengeance on you. And then I love this, our favorite. He says, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And this is one of the big themes of the story of Joseph that we have read over 13 chapters. And um, he ends with verse 24. says, soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help yeah. you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And then Joseph died at the age of 110. Ladies and gentlemen, fascinating story that we've read over 13 chapters. I know the last two Mondays, we've, we've, we've kind of put a number of chapters together just because of time. But um, there's a lot that God is saying to us. There's a lot that we should learn from the scriptures. And I wanted to end with one or two themes and then... Um, if, if you don't mind, we can take one or two th themes as well. Um, the first thing that I, I wanted to um, end with was to say, I said this last week, that every situation we go through, ladies and gentlemen, always have at the back of your mind that God is with you. I said last week that human nature is such that when we're going through challenges, we question whether God is with us or not because we associate, um, 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 we associate not so good things to the absence of God. Whereas we should learn to always see God in every situation. How come whenever things go wrong, the first thing is we think um, Satan is an enemy that's doing something. Yes, Satan might be trying to take advantage, but ladies and gentlemen, your destiny is in God's hands. And we must learn to always see God first in every situation, you know, and understand that even though I can't feel God, 
or even though that even though um, it, it's something untoward, God is with you. That's number one. Number two, every situation that we go through in life, God always uses to achieve four things. I said three things last week. I'm going to say four things um, very quickly um, today. Number one is that God uses our circumstances to train us and to prepare us. And that's what we find in the story of Joseph. Those uh, 13 years in slavery and in the dungeon was God using to prepare Joseph for his purpose, to train him as well in the ways of the Egyptians. He needed to learn their, their, their nuances the same way that he trained Moses. We said this last week. Number two, God will use every situation to test us. What is he testing? He's testing our faith. He's testing our obedience. He's, he's testing wh whether we'll still trust him. He's testing whether we'll still hope in him. Because again, human nature is such that when things are untoward, we start to doubt. Uh, uh, we start to doubt God. We, we, we start to lose faith in God. I, I apologize that I'm going quickly. It's just because of time. The third thing, so God will use circumstances to train and prepare us, number one. He'll use circumstances to test us, to test our faith, our obedience, to test our trust in him. Number three is that God will use circumstances, every situation, to grow us, to mold us into Christ-likeness. And we see that in the life of Joseph. By the time he becomes prime minister, He's already exhibiting exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. You know, he's like Christ. That's why we can compare him with Jesus Christ. You know, the compassion, the forgiveness, the tenderness, and all of that. The humility, the way he served Joseph. And, and you know, I could go on and on. The love for his brothers. And then lastly, God always uses situations to position us. Anything that you're going through, my brother, my sister, please just try and look at it through the eyes of God. What is God teaching me? What is God testing me? What is God growing in me in terms of the nature of the character of, of Jesus? But then finally, what is God up to? Because God uses circumstances to position us. You know, Joseph had the dream at the age of 17. He had no idea that what he meant was going to be prime minister of Egypt. That's why he was sold to slavery. God positioned him in Potiphar's house. God pos positioned him, you know, it's a different way to look at it. God positioned him in the prison because he had to be positioned in the prison to be able to inter interpret the, the dreams. So God uses circumstances to position us. And then I want to end with my last thought, which, um, it's, it's so important, ladies and gentlemen, is when we go through circumstances in life, we have a choice. We can either allow the circumstance to push us down or to be a stepping stone. So there's this word that came to my mind. It's the word disappointment. When we go through life, we will be disappointed. Disappointment is an emotional response. What happens after that is so important because many times we allow disappointment to lead to discouragement and then despair and then even worse still, 
depression. That's when, you know, from an emotional response, we now start to, you know, lose faith in God, start to doubt God, you know, lose faith in ourselves. That is discouragement. And then it starts to lead to despair. And for as long as that is the, 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 the way our mind goes, then we will struggle to experience the things of God. Whereas, like Joseph, ladies and gentlemen, and I end, no matter the disappointments in life, always learn to focus on God. For as long as we are focusing on God, we will not give room to the devil to take us from disappointment into discouragement and despair. And I could go on and on. But ladies and gentlemen, that's me, Don, um, story of Joseph. Any last thoughts as we end? Uh, this is the longest we've overrun, and I apologize, but we just needed to finish Joseph today. Any thoughts as we end? Anything that you'd like to show us that you've seen in all that we've read? Anything? Yeah. So but, somebody says we need to stop seeing God as a last resort. Very, very true. Very true. Sorry, Pastor. Um, I've got a question regarding earlier in the story. Yes. How did Joseph deal with like the gossip that went around when he, he apparently he didn't cheat with Potiphar's wife, but he apparently did. How did he deal with that gossip when he became the prime minister of Egypt? Which which gossip? Sorry. Uh, like the gossip of him. Uh, that apparently you cheated with Potiphar's wife. No, but he didn't. Um, he, he didn't at all. And in our second study, three, um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we, were, we recognized that um, it, apparently even Potiphar started to recognize that it was a false accusation that his wife had leveled against Joseph. And that's why he started to show fa um, Joseph favor again. So I think it was obvious to everybody that he definitely did not cheat. It was a false accusation. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love this. Forgiveness takes a great part in all this story. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's so important. And, and these are the things that we learn about the ways of God. Um, incidentally, you know, um, um, I am not sure many of us have suffered or gone through the things that Joseph went through with his brothers. If Joseph could forgive, ladies and gentlemen, you know, how about how much more us? But then guess what? None of us have suffered what Jesus went through. None of us. Nobody has ever been nailed to the cross and killed like that. Not to talk of the betrayal and, and, and uh, you know, and, and, and all that Jesus went through. But the Bible says, despite all of that, he forgave. It's so critical. So critical. Anything Pastor, else? I, one of the things, oh, I was going to say, yeah. one of the things I've learned from this um, to take away for me is um, that whatever circumstances um, I find myself in, in terms of like what you were saying, that God is building up, always building up to something better for us. I look at Joseph and I see him given a role in Portifer's home. So he starts off with being in charge of a home, yes. then with a small group of people, then he moves up in a situation which seems really terrible in a prison, was in charge of a larger body of people there and trusted and then from there he moves to being in charge of a whole nation yes. which is a bigger body of people Absolutely. and each time the circumstances before that just seemed to be negative but they weren't 
Mm. And it was just like this. He's just been trained, like we were saying, yeah. and built yeah. up for this better, for this ultimate it, blessing. It, 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 it's the way of God. God uses everything to train us and build us up for his purpose, the future that God has in, in mind for us. Um, mm. I, I need to end, um, but, but as you're speaking, there was a scripture that uh, came to my mind, and I promised myself that I'll end with that scripture. Um, in Psalm 105, verses 16 to 19, 16 to 19, Psalm 105, um, verses 16 to 19, is very instructive. Um, some of the gentlemen in the mentoring group have heard me sh share this before. But it, it's, it's actually a mind-blowing perspective of God's, um, a, a scripture of God's perspective. In Psalm 105, verse 16, he says, he called for a famine on the land of Canaan. That means that all that famine that happened, it was God that arranged it, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them. Joseph was sold as a slave. Verse 18, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. And then verse 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. You know, so this is God at work in Joseph's life. And all that he went through was building up to where God was taking him. It's the same for all of us, all of us. And, and um, ladies and gentlemen, let me just please, I crave your indulgence, but we must finish now. I, I just wanted to share one other thing that was laid on my heart. Um, um, and if you remember in chapter 40, it ends with the butler forgot, God, um, forgot Joseph. Chapter 41 starts by saying that two full years passed, yeah? And um, what God laid on my heart, and I thought to just quickly mention, is that we must also, in the journey of life, learn the art of patience, patience. You know, we want, you know, we hear the word of God, we're trusting God, we're praying and all, and then we want it. And when it's not happening, like, like we said earlier, we get disappointed and then we get discouraged and all that. Whereas patience is really key if we're going to walk with God. It must be God's timing, not our timing. And as I was thinking about this, the scripture, and I'm going to end with this one, that came to my mind, Lamentations chapter 3, um, uh, from verse 24. Uh, Lamentations 3, I think it is. Yes, yeah, from verse 24. It says, I say to myself, the Lord is mine. I'm reading the New Living Translation. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. That's another message in itself. 25, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. Verse 26, so it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. You know, yeah, I mean, we can say a lot more, but I, I, I don't want to go beyond the time that we have. Um, it says in the Bible, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. So God, is form God has formed us for a purpose. And how do we find that purpose? It took Joseph years to find this. So how do we find ours? Um, it's a long, long story. I'm sorry, not, not long story, long explanation in the sense that, first of all, you find your purpose in God. We've talked about that. And I think Pastor Batch talked about that as well, that 
as we seek God, knowing God, we start to understand what God's mind concerning us. We start to understand the things that God has placed in in our hearts, the, you know, the gifts that he's given us. Incidentally, wherever you are, no matter the circumstances, always serve with your gifts, wherever you find yourself. It's a principle of life, yeah? Um, so as we start to, you know, know God and you start to discover your gifts and then God starts to reveal to you what he would have you do. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your patience. And um, I, I trust you've been blessed over the last four weeks. And look forward to next Monday as we start a new series in our Bible study. 